You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Kept in by McDavid. He'll go through the middle. What a move to Hyman. Scott! Fifty nothing right now. I've never seen our team play this brutal. So. They were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Soto, right center. See you later. Good morning, Vancouver. Six oh one on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet six fifty. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I mentioned we are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios. Jason's here to tell you more about Kintec. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Uh, guest list on a Thursday begins at 7 o'clock. Our weekly regular here from NFL.com, Nick Shook, is going to join us ahead of, man, what a game. Steelers, Patriots, classic AFC rivalry, storied franchises going toe-to-toe. What's the uh, total, 17? Bailey Zappi and uh, Mitch Trubisky will be charged with getting it above 17 points collectively tonight. <laughs> I think it's 32. I think the over-under is 32. That's too high. I can't believe I spent this much time talking about this game. Anyway, Nick Shook's going to join us at 7 o'clock. I do want to ask him about the current plight, not state, plight of quarterbacking in the NFL. Uh, 7.30, Joe Smith from The Athletic. Minnesota Wild beat writer is going to join us on the program here. It is the Wild and the Canucks. 7 o'clock from Rogers Arena. The uh, the Minnesota Wild are one of the hottest teams in hockey right now. After getting rid rid of Dean Evason, so long Creed Bratton. Dean Evason out, John Hines in. They are now four zero and zero since Hines took over. So we'll talk to Joe Smith about the Minnesota Wild at seven thirty at eight o'clock. It's the Drancer from uh, Thomas Drance from the Athletics and Canucks talk here. We'll talk to him about tonight's game as well. Uh, a couple big questions for the Canucks: Will Andre Kuzmenko be in the lineup tonight? Who will get the start in net? We can talk about all that. Among ourselves and with Drancer at 8 o'clock. We are giving away tickets. We are giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and the Tampa Bay Lightning play on Tuesday, December 12th at Rogers Arena. I watched Tampa Bay play last night, and although most of my focus was on Pittsburgh and specifically their power play, which cannot score, mm-hmm. Tampa Bay can still do Tampa Bay things, and Kucherov is almost unstoppable at this point. So that's going to be a heck of a game. Yeah, so if you want to see Nikita Kucherov and the aforementioned Tampa Bay Lightning take on your Vancouver Canucks on Tuesday, December 12th, uh, we are giving away a pair of tickets to the best what we learned. You have the best what we learned. Uh, Hashtag WWL. Throw a ticket emoji in there, hey? That'll enter you into the contest. 650-650 is the Dunbar number text line. Tell us what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports and uh, make it snappy. Make it sharp. You could win some tickets to see the Canucks and the Lightning on Tuesday. Uh, I mentioned Canucks and Wild tonight, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. Pre-game, post-game, the actual game, it's all right here on Sportsnet 650. Working in reverse on the guest list at 8 o'clock, Thomas Rance. 7.30, Joe Smith. 7 o'clock, Nick Shook. Uh, that's what's happening 
on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Just four games in the National Hockey League last night, although a couple of them really drew our interest here at the Halford & Bruff Show. The first, the Edmonton Oilers are rolling right now. Uh, A 6-1 victory over the visiting Carolina Hurricanes, who, by the way, will be in Vancouver on Saturday to take on your Canucks. Zach Hyman, as you heard in the intro, with a hat trick. Oilers have now won five straight. Small picture stuff. Fantastic for them, I suppose, although I kind of like to see them down rather than up. They still have a ways to go to get back into playoff contention, but I think you're finally starting to see the kind of role that this team can go on when they've got the likes, you know, Connor McDavid, who on a seven-game point streak now has 19 points. 19 points in his last seven games. That's, you know, averaging two-plus per game. That's pretty good. Oilers win they're five straight. Cl- they're climbing the standings, though. Yep. Uh, they got 21 points in 23 games. The second wildcard spot currently belongs to St. Louis with 27 points in 25 games. So if the Oilers keep rolling like they're rolling, and that is the thing that we always said about the Oilers. This is this team is perfectly capable of rattling off 10 straight, 11 straight, 12 straight. Uh, remember how they finished last season and went into the playoffs. They were, I don't know, I don't know what remember, they won 17 of their last 19 games, Just something like that. They never right? it was It was something crazy. Their goal differential is up to negative now, or sorry, zero. Like it's just neutral. It's it's zero. So you know this is this is a team that the, the way they have gotten things going. Um, you know we've gone back and forth on this and back and forth on this. Do you think that the Oilers are going to make the playoffs? And now, if you were to ask me on this day, I think they probably will, just because they're rolling to that degree. Last night, that game was over. Literally in 40 seconds. Yeah. It was it was 2 nothing for the Edmonton Oilers early in the game. And, of course, they had been embarrassed by the Carolina Hurricanes just a few weeks earlier in Carolina where they were down 4 nothing in the first period. And they returned the favor in a big way yesterday. Now, the good news for the Canucks is you play the Oilers four times. The Canucks have already played them three times, right? Dustin and they've Murray. beaten them. And they've beaten them. So, at the very least... If the Oilers do stay hot, they only have to play them one more time, and I think that game is in April, and hopefully, hopefully, a playoff spot for the Canucks is already wrapped up by then. So he's right. The Oilers won that game, not quite literally in the first 30 seconds, but close. McLeod scored 28 seconds in, and then 13 seconds after that, Matthias Ekholm scored. And then Hyman scored his first of three goals at 546 mm-hmm. of the first. So the game's done and dusted at that point. By the way, I told you that Carolina was a little less stingy than they have been typically. I don't know if it's the goaltending or team play, but uh, Rod Brindamore seemed to uh, have some ideas yesterday. So I, this is pretty good. Like TNT has Darren Pang doing the which I don't like at all, the mid-game interviews where they go behind the bench and talk to the coach. I like him if the, if the coach is going to act like Rod Brindamore did yesterday. So kudos on Rod Brindamore, I guess, although I'm a big fan of swearing. Uh, good on Rod Brindamore for managing not to swear during a live <laughs> broadcast because you could tell he wanted to. I, I don't know who gave poor Panger the assignment of talking to Rod Brindamore when they were down 5 nothing, but they're like, hey, go talk to Rod. And he was like, ah. 
fine. This is like, what no, I don't sound- want to. You, you you do it. <laughs> yeah, is that no, what it was? It, you was do it. it was five. It was nothing five at nothing time. at this point. When, I, I don't. I, Can you imagine? To be fair, Brandon Moore just slowly turns his head at them. Like, it would be hard to talk to him when the score was any different because they were getting blown out so early in the game. Unless they were going to do the mid-game interview with three minutes in. Five nothing. Get the assignment. Go talk to the coach. No. Yeah, and I think he prefaced it with like Rod. I'm so sorry. Anyway, here's what so, it sounds like. So, Coach, like. you think you're going to bounce back in the second, or how do you, how do you feel? This is uh, this is like 20, 20 seconds of continuous Rod Brindamore thought without swearing uh, during an eventual 6-1 loss to the Edmonton Oilers on Wednesday night. Well, Rod, obviously a disappointing start to this game. Anything you're seeing out here that that uh, that you can build on? We're on our way to losing 50 nothing right now. I've never seen our team play this brutal so. I, at this point, you know, I don't really, I, I'm, I'm lost for words, to be quite honest. Weren't ready to start, which that was clear. And now we're just kind of doing things not the way we do it. And this is uh, this is what you get. So at this point, we're probably turning the page. So the Oilers are rolling. Rod Bittermore is angry. Um, <laughs> Carolina plays in Calgary tonight. Um, they'll be playing, obviously, a little bit tired um, after playing in Edmonton last night. And they had to use both goalies but, last night. Too. Yeah, but you know what? If I'm Calgary, I'm like, uh, I don't know if we're going to get the typical tired team. And then Carolina rolls into Vancouver on Saturday. What else did you watch last night? Watch the Pittsburgh Penguins not score on the power play. Oh, boy. So, uh, that, that, that power play was hard to watch. Um, at the end of it, they had a five-on-three for 40 seconds, and it didn't. Look, I mean, they had a couple chances, mm-hmm. but like Malkin is forcing shots. Like, there's, they're, they're, it almost seems like they're scared to set it up. Uh, you got Carlson and Latang and Sid out there, and it's just for whatever reason, because that's like what four future Hall of Famers out there, mm-hmm. and they just cannot buy a power play goal. They should have been shut out. Vasilevsky lost his shutout on a real fluke play when. He made a bit of a stick-handling error. Then the puck eventually bounces in off his own player. Um, Jake Gensel got credit for the goal. Yeah, Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah, Jake Gensel didn't Good really job. do much on Good that. Good job, Jake Gensel. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I think they had a closed-door meeting after the game because they are – we mentioned that they went into, they had a back-to-back with Philly, a home-and-home against Philly, and they got swept by the Flyers, and then they go into Tampa Bay, and they lose in – just kind of depressing fashion. Like you've got all this offensive talent on the team and they can't score. It was a three, one defeat to the Tampa Bay lightning yesterday in Tampa Bay. So the numbers on this one are pretty ghastly. It's a third straight loss for the penguins. After Jason mentioned, they lost a pair of games consecutively to the flyers. The power play is shocking. They are now over 34 in their last 34 power plays. Let me repeat. Sidney Crosby of Jenny Malkin, Chris Letang, Eric Carlson are 0 for 34 in their last 34 power plays. Do you know how many games that stretches? 25 days and 12 games. 12 games. Yep. They're, they're power- and, if, and if you look at all the losses that they had, like they had a 1 0 loss to the Rangers, 3 2 to the Sabres, all these one goal losses, a lot of, you know, they went to overtime twice with uh, the Flyers. They lost 3 2 in overtime in Nashville. Mm-hmm. If their power play was going, those are wins. And if you look at the numbers, the five on five numbers of the Pittsburgh Penguins, like they're pretty good, mm-hmm. right? The expected goals, et cetera, all those nerdy stats that Drance is always talking about. Like they do look good, but if you can't score on the power play, at, like at all, mm-hmm. at all, 
at all, at all, then you're not going to win many games in the NHL. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are proof of that right now. I'm currently working on a correlation between power play percentages and dairy products. So, and that's obviously what like... The, what What? Please explain. If you go, 33% is whipped cream. That's good. Okay. Right? You're clicking at 33%, you're oh, good. I see, I see where you're going If you here. fall into the regular table, as I like to call them, or coffee creams, 15 and 10%, mm. and that's bad because the Penguins are at 99 yeah. So they're not even up to coffee cream right now. You, the power have, plays you milk. have stolen this off someone. I made this, this up all on my own. This, so if you're like, is, if you're skim then, milk, are you just screwed? That's like, yeah. the Penguins right over. now. Yeah. That's the Penguins right if you now. Get, they're skim if, milk. It, no, no, no. They're cream. Penguins are cream. If not, you drop not, to milk. Not over the last little while. That's well. The, right now, they're not even milk. Yeah. I don't even know what they are. They're water. water. They're water. I guess yeah. they're just water. They're over 34. They're like an emaciated cow. Jacques Lemaire had the line one time. He's like, hey, our power play is like milk. They're one, like that two, three percent. That fake milk sweetener that you put in coffees that yes. isn't really anything other than white. Point being, um, I think Mike Sullivan has moved up the charts of uh, potential coaches to be fired, which is crazy because no, I think Mike. No, Su- yep, no, yeah, no. he well, has maybe moved up the chart, but yeah, I don't he's think, moved, I don't that's think exactly a, what I but, just said. But like, I could but not like, have made that any clearer. But like the, but <laughs> no, no, no. But like, he's not in. Uh, he's not like a candidate. He's not getting fired. He's not getting fired. Uh, Mike Sullivan's not getting fired. Why would Mike Sullivan be immune from getting fired? Because he's done done so much for that organization. He still has. He still holds a ton of sway. Yeah, the but they've got a losing record. They're six in their division. Their power play is over thirty four. It's what you've done for me lately. Bro. Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> Yeah, you think? Yeah, that- I think I side more with Halford here. I think Bruff's the hot take horn this time. <laughs> there, there's I don't a- think. I don't think That's why you don't think well, he's going to get fired. But, but he well, could. he's right in the top three candidates no. to be fired no. right now. DJ Dude, Smith, Don Granado, and Buffalo, and Mike Sullivan in Pittsburgh. Those mm-hmm. would be your three finalists right now. Well, I have to look around a little bit. No, those are the three. Okay. Uh, they sent out some odds the other day too, talking about how. A bong, well, DJ Smith is number one with a bullet. He's atop the, top Don, the list. Right? But I but I also think like Don Granado would be with him as yeah. opposed to closer to Sullivan. I know anyway. that Sullivan's a really good coach, and I know that they probably are loath to fire him. But we've seen two teams in the NHL already this season who, because they don't have anything else to do and they're struggling, they had to fire the head coach, right? And we're going to see one of them tonight, 7 o'clock at Rogers Arena when the Minnesota Wild come to town with new head coach, John Hines, uh, I will admit before we dive into all this with the Canucks and Wild preview stuff, I have paid very little attention to the Minnesota Wild this year because I pay very little attention to the Minnesota Wild, period. End of sentence. That's it. They're not. That's how their- you should start your hit with uh, Joe. Joe Smith. <laughs> Joe, please tell me everything there is to know about this very boring franchise. But they come in now somewhat intriguing because they're on on a roll under Hines. And if you look at the numbers that they've got, they've really tightened up defensively. I think it's five goals allowed over those four wins. Uh, Matthew Boldy, who struggled this year, has kind of found his game. Matt Zuccarello is having a really good season. But collectively... Zuccarello is an amazing story, by the way. He just, He's still playing at the level of, what is he, 36 or something? He's 36 like? years old. Yeah. He is Crazy. the leader among all NHLers aged 36 years or older, group that includes... Sidney Crosby and the aforementioned Pittsburgh Penguins. There, he actually has one more point than Crosby, uh, and it's it, so as we look forward to this game and we pivot off the deep dive on the Minnesota Wild, uh, the Vancouver Canucks obviously coming off a loss in their previous game, and there are a lot of questions facing the Canucks going into tonight. I think the two most prevalent ones are sort of the hot button lineup regarding issues, and the big one, obviously, 
is whether or not Kuzmenko is going to be in the lineup tonight. And I think that there is a lot of reason and a lot of anecdotal evidence to suggest that he might be on the way back out. At the same time, if you suggest that he's on the way out of the lineup, you not only have to ask the most immediate question, which is who replaces him in the in the forward group, but I think the bigger picture is... Well, the answer is Phil DiGiuseppe. Can you continue to do this if you're the head coach? And I, Does it get to the point where he's just the whipping boy? And how many times can you go to the leash or whatever it is with this with the healthy scratch? Because after a while, either the player's going to get frustrated by it, the agent might become involved, well, or... Dropping out of the lineup stops having its desired effect. So it was not too long ago that I heard Dan Milstein on. I don't know if he was on this station or on with uh, Donnie and Dolly. And he said, listen, there's no... And it was after he'd been healthy scratched. He said, no issues right now. He hasn't requested a trade or anything. They're just going through the process. It feels like things have gotten worse, though. Like, just the way that Rick Tockett has spoken about Kuzmenko, um, it's way more negative now. Like it's sounding like Tockett is really getting upset with the player as opposed to being like, I really like the guy. We've just got a few things to work on, mm-hmm. you know, and that was the message for most of last season. And, you know, it has been the message, I guess, earlier in the season, but he seems to be getting like visibly annoyed with the player and having to answer questions about this. And we don't know what Kuzmenko has been saying behind the scenes. Maybe Kuzmenko has been has started to push back because, you know, we, we've seen this with countless athletes, right? They're willing to take criticism and direction from the coach for a certain amount of time. There's usually some goodwill there. But then the player's like, hey, man, you know what? Mm. I scored a bunch of goals last season. 39. I did pretty well for you last season. And maybe some of these things aren't for me. Right mm-hmm. and or what, however you'd push back. Like he's I'm not, not saying he's, he's not push- putting him in a position to succeed. Yeah, he's getting frustrated. Yeah, like I'm you sure. gotta let me do my right. thing, coach. Like he's he's like any professional athlete. He is has some pride in his game, and he knows that he's done some good things in his career to be playing in the top league in the world and to have the success that he did last season. He's also thinking like he might be thinking, hey, I've got a two-year contract i don't have an eight-year contract like what's what's happening wait a minute what's happening to my nhl career right now because this doesn't look very good so the canucks are going to skate this morning at 10 30 i imagine they'll have a pretty full game day skate because uh they had a day off yesterday so uh at around 10 30 we'll start to see the lines rolling out right now if you were to, if you were to ask me do you think he'll play i i'd say probably not because when we went through this yesterday um, I think Hoaglander deserves to start the game with Miller and Besser. And I think Mikheyev and Mikheyev and Lafferty right now are probably the best fits for Petey. So what are you going to do? Put Kuzmenko in the bottom six? Yeah, probably not. Like the coach says, he doesn't even forecheck. What's really damaging from the Kuzmenko side of things, if the collective, him and Milstein, were to make an argument in his favor, is I think everyone, fans, media, Probably the coaching staff could say, here's the big problem right now. We play better and we have had better results with other guys in those spots than we have with your client. Well, like, with like, Kuzmenko. Exactly. Look at look at the devil's game. The and, proof's and, in the pudding. And talk had said it. Like, I don't want to talk about this. Uh Koozie sat down and we came back in the game. Mm-hmm. So for example, on in the aforementioned game against the Devils, right? Kuzmenko plays 14-14. He has about nine and a half, ten minutes at even strength. 
Uh, Canucks are outshot 14 to 2, <laughs> out attempted 14 to 2 in Kuzmenko's five on five ice time. So the ice was tilted the entire time he was out. He was a minus three. In the third period, which included the furious three goal comeback, you saw a team that looked far more dynamic, just eye test wise. And then if you go to the metrics, they were considerably better with him not playing. That is a tough argument to fight back against if you are the agent and the player. And if you're the coaching staff, you can say, hey, not only do I not like the way his game looks, here's a bunch of numbers that back up what I'm saying. Don't you think the coach would probably like to get Phil DiGiuseppe back in too? Hey, he's the details guy. That's what the D in DiGiuseppe stands for, <laughs> details. He's a details guy. He'll do the... Li- and Details Giuseppe. That's it. And he's got... Uh, he's not got. Bad. He's a much Just better. Tommy Dietz. <laughs> he's got a much better fit going into the bottom six than say Kuzmenko would be if his minutes dry up in that top group. And it's well now you got to play bottom six minutes. Who's better suited to that? It's Philly details. It's Philly details, yeah, yeah. right? Now yeah, I still, Philly I, details. I still yeah. wonder though. Like we'll talk at Pola. Well, well, you know, everyone's expecting him to be healthy scratched. Maybe we'll just give him this chance, this reprieve. Um, I still think a lot of this has to do. Just my opinion here. Uh, a lot of people have their takes on what's going on with PD right now. A lot of people are in the camp of, uh, well, he's just hurt, and that's what you're seeing right now. He's hurt. Other people are like, well, we've seen this before. He gets a little uh, down on himself. He loses his confidence. Maybe you know he's a little bit moody. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what's going on with PD. I'll be perfectly honest with you, right? Like I don't know the information, but what I'm seeing from PD right now is not a horrible player. Like, definitely not. Like, two-way is not horrible, but I don't Production's see there, yeah. the – Yeah, the production is not to the same extent it was earlier in the season, and the eye test is just off right now. So whether he's hurt or um, a lack of confidence, that does matter, by the way. Like, it it, it, it does matter. We, we we're not going to get told, but it does matter for an organization that is considering signing this guy to a massive – Contract. How long that contract's going to be, who knows. But obviously we all hope, and this is a weird thing to say, we all hope he's hurt. <laughs> we all, well, it is. Like, so, we all, ah, you better be hurt. Well, it's we just all, a weird way to say it. We yeah, all, yeah, we all hope he's got something bothering him, um, whether it's a wrist, uh, whether it's you know more of a, a core injury, which some people have speculated just because he doesn't have that same jump. Um, that I hope that's it. I hope it's not just him going through another confidence thing because then you're at the stage of like, well, how much can we afford to pay this guy if he's going to go, if he's going to lose his confidence every, you know, every two years mm-hmm. and he's, and he's not going to, you know, he's not going to hold up his end of the bargain. I realize that other players around the NHL have slumps and yep. they go through these and, and even, we don't monitor those slumps as closely no, no, no. monitored we, other ones. We don't, but, um, you know, Petey for his team, for a guy like Kuzmenko, who will depend on a guy like Elias Pettersson to make things happen out there, and then he's like, I finished the job, mm-hmm. right? I score, and that's what happened a lot last season. Um, PD needs to get going. It's, 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 it's the responsibility, and, it's, and you might want to call it a burden. It's a burden of being a superstar in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Look at the Edmonton Oilers. 
right? Connor McDavid was a little banged up. He wasn't himself. He was still good. You watched him play, and you're like, wow, that guy is still pretty good. Right. But look what he's done recently. Like, he has completely gone off. There's no one talking about his health anymore. They're just talking about how good he is and how important that is to the Edmonton Oilers, who now look like the team that many expected heading into the season. If Petey can get to, back to the levels that we saw er, earlier in the season, you know, it, it means a whole lot to this team. It takes pressure off Miller and Besser to score at five on five. It takes the pressure off. It just gives this Canucks team this massive weapon that, that we all know Petey has the potential to be. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. And what we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica. guys go back in the studio and added added a regression little addition we learned very quickly it's hard to say the word regression yeah in like a a sexy way sexually i can do it charged way (laughs) yeah regression Ooh, that's good yeah she get rough to do it was just us that was struggling talk sexy to me baby it's like borderline creepy it's good Uh like most of the song <laughs> we are coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Uh, we are in hour three of the program. Do we have Drancer on hold? No, he's he's lost in the wind somewhere. We don't know where Drancer is. He's really regressing. Hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. So no Drancer at the moment. We can dive right into all of the Canucks talk that we will eventually hopefully get to with Drance. I guess the big question that we're going to ask him right off the hop is what's the biggest lineup decision that Rick Tockett has tonight? Because there's two. There's two pressing ones, really. I think everyone understands that even if he's not necessarily considering dropping Kuzmenko from the lineup, everyone else thinks that he is. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's the playbook now because once you do the healthy scratch, you open up a Pandora's box, if you will. The box, the box. But you do because once you cross that threshold, you can go back to it. Yeah. Once you've made the move, once you've cut, made the cut, it's easy to go back to it because mm-hmm. it's like, well, I've already done it before. I've already faced it's not, it. It's not a huge, it's not a huge deal. Right. Although there is going to The first cut is the deepest, baby, I know. But after that, it gets easier. But don't you think eventually, I'm not saying it's coming tonight, but does there then become a breaking point between the player and the team? Yeah, like if you want to play this out. And the only reason we're going I this I wonder what now, assistant GM Dan Milstein thinks of all this. He's like, I put this team together and you're healthy scratching one of my guys. I will not bring my clients here continually <laughs> if you continually treat them like this. No, all those dynamics are in play. I think the Milstein thing's actually really interesting because it's a two-parter. One, he has brought a lot of his clients to the Canucks to the point where we joke that he's the assistant general manager. But two... He's not shy about being outspoken, especially on social media, when his clients aren't happy. 
That's mm-hmm. how Nikita Zadorov ended up in Vancouver, right? Yeah, but I think that one got out there, and he just kind of confirmed it. Like, I don't think he Alan Walsh did. Uh, I got a feeling he might have had something to do with it getting out there. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. like, let's not kid ourselves here. There's there's a few different types of agents in the NHL. We've seen them throughout time. Uh, there's guys that prefer to do quiet, understated work behind the scenes. And then there's guys that are a little bit more brash and brazen and want to get their name out there in order to attract themselves to more clients and are willing to go the extra mile. In the case of Alan Walsh, he used artwork. In the case of Dan Milstein, uh, he uses Dolly Wall. But the, <laughs> the point being is these guys know how to get themselves out there. And if you've got an unhappy client, and I do think there's a bigger conversation to be had here, and we've touched on it with regards to player empowerment, players speaking up more. Mm-hmm. I think a big facet of that is letting the agent do the work for you. If you want something out there, but you don't necessarily want to be the guy putting it out there, that's where you turn to your agent. You're like, you know that 10%, 15% you take off my contract? Yeah. Time to start earning it. Go out there and make some noise for me. It, it, it's a big step to take, though. Once you do that and you empower your agent to go out there and make things happen, there's a good chance it's going to get public. Right. And listen, it doesn't always happen. We've seen it in Vancouver. How many times have we heard that you know some Canucks agent has been given permission to try and make a trade, right? Like ben Hankinson and Brock Besser. Yeah, exactly, right? Sometimes it just doesn't happen. I, I have no idea what a guy like Kuzmenko's uh, trade value would be. The cap is still flat. Like it hasn't gone up yet, right? There's most teams are still very tight to the cap. So it's a complicated move. And there are probably some teams that say, well, you know, Rick Tockett's a pretty good coach. I have a lot of respect for Rick Tockett. So if he thinks this guy's a problem, then well, maybe he's a problem. Maybe he's not playing the way that you need to in order to be successful in the NHL. I think Tockett probably has more credibility with most NHL organizations than Andre Kuzmenko does. Now, that being said, there are some teams that desperately need scoring, right? And a guy like Andre Kuzmenko, who's coming off a season where he nearly scored 40, might be appealing to them. Um, but before we get to this, like, we're not at this stage yet. No, 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 right? no, no. We're not at this. But, but, but what I'm saying is that you had the back-to-back healthy scratches, and that was one thing. And Dan Milstein said, you know, it's not a big deal. Uh, we're going through the process. Uh, Andre Kuzmenko, you know, Kuzmenko wants to be a better player in the NHL. We like the organization. I mean, listen, Milstein's got a great relationship with the Canucks, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I'm, I'm, so, and he's been very... Canucks have run things under Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford and the coaching staff. So, so far, things have been good. But I'm just wondering if, like, another healthy scratch, right? It's kind of like the... Uh, eventually there's a straw that breaks the camel's back. So we don't have Drancer right now, so we're going to do some what we learns. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have Drancer today, but I want to do a few what we learns because I want to start with baseball. And I want to bring Laddie into this conversation because Juan Soto is a member of the New York Yankees. That was what we all expected to happen. I know there were some people that thought like Juan Soto might be a plan B for the Jays if they don't end up getting Shohei Otani, but it seemed like Soto was always going to the Yankees. Um, What do you think of this trade and what the Yankees had to give up in order to get him? 
Um, well, I think you give up whatever you can to get a guy like Juan Soto, and he's kind of the perfect fit. Left-handed bat for that stadium. Hits right in front of Aaron Judge. That's a pretty formidable yeah. one-two punch there right in the middle of their lineup. So not a guarantee that they're uh, going to make the playoffs or even be a good team, but certainly helps their cause. And Is there an expectation that he's going to stay there? Uh, I think it depends how that first year goes, honestly. Right. I think if you're Soto, you, you, you dip your toe in and see – Hey, I might like it here long term, but he's definitely going to the market. He so will, you will hear every offer that's sent his way. So it's Thursday today. Uh, Otani, there have been reports out there, uh, the likes of John Morosi, that say the Otani thing is probably going to get wrapped up by this weekend. Now, mm. there can always be delays. You're speaking, of course, talking. Otani to Toronto is going to wrap up by the end. Otani, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Finalized There's gonna by be the end of the decision, week. Uh, Made. I just wonder, I mean, the reaction, regardless of what happens, is going to be huge. Obviously, if they sign him, it'll be the bigger reaction. Like, the, the plans that this organization, they're going to have to hire people. They really will, they will have to hire people in marketing and sponsorship and ticket sales. Like, it will be a massive deal mm-hmm. for the Toronto Blue Jays. And <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people there. Like, there's going to be a lot of Blue Jays talk, isn't there? It's like, yep, there's going to be a lot of Blue well, Jays it's, talk. It's, but, but if they don't get them, I also think that's a huge deal because this is a management group that lost a lot of credibility with the fan base. And there was a lot of criticism for just how the Jays ran last season, um, how things went overall. The expectations were not met. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the expectations were really not even close to being met. And then all of a sudden you're saying, okay, well, we just imagined Shohei Otani in our lineup. Uh, what's plan B? Because Juan well, Soto isn't gone. available yeah. anymore. Like, is plan B just be like, well, we hope Manoa bounces back. So a couple things here. Given the return – that San Diego got for Soto. I know, I get what you're saying. If you can get Juan Soto, get Juan Soto. But let's be clear, the Yankees might only be getting one year of Juan Soto. That was what scared me about the Jays potentially getting in there, is all of a sudden you become the Kawhi Leonard Raptors year, where it's like, we have a ton Mm -hmm. of pressure to get it done this year, because Soto's going to free agency. They gave up a lot of pitching. They gave up their top pitching prospect and Michael King, who's, I mean, his record wasn't great last year, but he had a good ERA. So I'm looking at it and I'm saying, maybe it wasn't a bad thing that the Jays didn't get involved in the Soto thing. But you bring up a good point, is that if you strike out on two fronts here, no Tani, no Soto, you're going to have to do some real legwork with your fan base, either in explaining that, you know, the the offseason didn't work out the way that we wanted, but we're still going to do things. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you just have that come to Jesus moment where you're like, we tried as hard as we could to get the biggest free agent potentially of all time, and we went right down to the wire. We just fell short. Now it's time to regroup. That's a tough thing to admit. Well, Trades are also possible too, right? Like Everyone looks at who's left in the free agent market, but who knows what kind of deal yeah. they can work out. They have a lot of draft players in their lineup that are capital that they can use for a trade like that. Sure. So, so here's kind of a silly question, but... Let's get silly. Let's get well, wacky. We all know the business case for the Jays paying whatever they're going to have to pay for Otani. It could be like half a billion dollars more than 600 that. Million. Yeah, something like that. We all know the business case. We've heard it, right? They're doing a big renovation um, at the stadium. They're, they've got a bunch of premium seats that they're trying to sell, and they want the five-year commitments. And what better way to go to some of the big money clients or ticket buyers and say, listen, we got, we got, you know, the next Babe Ruth. We yep. signed, like, do you want to come watch that? Like, I, I feel like your clients, if you want to take your clients to these premium seats, like 
that's going to be a, a good deal, mm-hmm. right? What's in it for the Dodgers? Like, ha- I know they, they're always trying to win, right? And that is, but like, that stadium is already full. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just curious, like, from, purely from a business perspective, I know that they're just the team that just like wants to keep winning. Well, but, you go, you go from a big deal, but, but isn't the, isn't there like almost a stronger business case or a stronger business need for the Jays than the Dodgers in terms of gate? I think so. I think, like you said, the Dodgers don't have any problems with that. But you you go from just being a, a big deal on the West Coast, adding Otani to your team, you're now a big deal globally. And I think that the money that comes in from that and the attention is what I'd they're be looking curious for. to know how you monetize it. I can address this from a baseball perspective if you want, not the business perspective. Baseball yeah. is pretty easy. Is they've fallen woefully short three years in a row. Mm-hmm. Dave Roberts is his ass is in the jackpot as it was because there are major questions. And granted, the pitching let them down this year. So and, and Otani's not going to pitch until twenty twenty five. So that's not going to help in the immediacy. But the Dodgers, there's now some real unrest among a, a fan base that as expects a certain level of excellence and has seen them fall short. I mean, they're basically the Yankees of the West Coast now with the amount that they spend. I consider them a bigger spender than the Yankees now. Right, but know? there's there's the the understanding of excellence with the Yankees. Is that the Yankees don't rebuild. The Yankees don't tank and, you know, try and build through the draft. The Yankees are there's a sustained level of perceived excellence. With the Dodgers now, regular season's not a problem. They are going to win 100 games. And you can write that in pen. The key is when they go to the postseason, why do they continually fall short? And again, I don't know if Otani fixes that. Certainly going to make them a better ball club. But that's where the Dodgers are at in their evolution is how are we going to win World Series? And I I don't like this weird sentiment that you get in hockey too where you you got too much offense on this team. Why why are you adding more offense? You can never have too much offense. You just keep adding, keep adding. Can never suck too many dingers. It's the way to do it. You always want more dingers. Anyone that can suck dingers. Why why anyone would be upset about a team adding more offensive punch to their team? The Dodgers have made the playoffs 10 consecutive years. Since 2013 to last year, Mm -hmm. in the playoffs every year, they have one World Series. Right, and that was the pandemic World Series. The, the short for me so, as a Jays fan, though, my attention turns to third base. You know, who who do they get to to fill in there? Is it do they bring Chapman back? That's another mm-hmm. big spend that they'll have to make. Is is he even the guy that you want to bring back? So. Right. Buff and Colonna text in. Why do the Jays have to explain anything if they miss on Soto and Otani? I didn't go into the offseason expecting the Jays to make either move. I don't think until a week ago Jays fans were expecting those level of additions. Well, Buff, things have changed. Yeah. The game done changed. Right. They're in the Otani sweepstakes. Mm -hmm. And people get get their hopes up and then they start wondering, okay, well, why didn't Otani choose the Jays? Mm -hmm. And it might be a matter of, it's probably not going to be money. It might just be a matter of, well, the Dodgers are a pretty high profile team and Otani was already in the Los Angeles area. <laughs> now he gets to stay. Um, but I, I just... Granger. Listen, the, the vibes were not good for the Jays last season. They weren't. Nope. The, people didn't like the people, team. People, people did not like the team. They were... Um, Laddie didn't like the team. Yeah, Laddie was like... You're his, frustrated. I like yeah. the team. I didn't like the results. <laughs> yeah, you were frustrated. No, you were getting frustrated with some with a lot of it, though. Well, right? like the, the mindset of the team and just how they got all verklempt with runners in scoring position. No, no, no grinder. No grind set. That was it. Last year. it was a no clear lack set. of grind so I, set. So I think at the end of the season, there was a lot of pressure on the management and by extension, the ownership to do something about it. 
Okay, Durant's not being here. Uh, we can bang through a lot of different things because we do have a lot of what we learns and those. Yeah, a lot you of don't texts. don't worry about Durant anymore. He's it's, yeah. it's, he's 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 done. He's I don't want to say dead to me, but it's pretty close. Yeah. Um, Patrick Kane is going to make his Detroit Red Wings debut tonight, and he gets to do it against a terrible opponent in the San Jose Sharks. Way to cherry pick your debut there, Patrick Kane. Uh, I am actually really curious about this. I don't know how much Kane has left in the tank. He's old. For He's the, just had that surgery. He, he had hip resurfacing. There's a very real chance that he gets out there and he kind of looks like the Tin Man, and it's disappointing because he was such a dynamic player. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest stick handlers I've ever seen live. It is funny, though, how he reunited with Panarin, and now he's reunited with Dabrinkit. And they are putting him in a position to be prominent on this team. He's going to play on a line with Dylan Larkin and Alex Dabrinkit. There's no... That's e- the line? That's the line. There's no easing him into this, right? They are going to go full steam. Now, the reason I bring this up is twofold. One... Patrick Kane, um, you know, one of the greatest players of this past generation, right? Multiple Stanley Cup winner. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. That's not a question. The interesting thing for me is it's on this particular team because of the three teams in that Atlantic division that we thought were going to take a jump forward, they were Detroit, Buffalo, and Ottawa. And through the first quarter of this NHL season, Detroit's done a way better job of jumping forward than Buffalo and Ottawa. To the point where that lengthy playoff drought for the Red Wings looks like it might come to an end this year. Patrick Kane could, and I stress could, make this team a really interesting one. Right now, they're a curiosity to me. I'm not watching Red Wings games right now. I'm not circling them. Mm -hmm. I'm not putting on the PVR. Not that anyone does it anymore anyway. You're you're not committing to getting emotionally involved in with the Red Wings. Not even emotionally, just like intellectually involved. Yeah, like you got to remember a decade ago now, it feels like a long time, the Detroit Red Wings were awesome to watch because they had Datsuk and Zetterberg. Yeah. I was showing the boy uh, some Datsuk videos, his top 10 goals. God, he was incredible. Yeah, he was. And in the last 10 years, they've kind of been like, whatever. Yeah. When you started to see the... The la- and, re- and really, the last few years of that playoff streak, it was very clearly they were just trying to keep the streak alive, right? Like, they were getting into the playoffs with no chance of winning. They just wanted to keep the streak alive. Then they're like, okay, this has to end. We're going to rebuild as a franchise. With it- uh, Gustav, Nyquist, and Thomas Tatar. Yeah, like, God bless them for trying. And I understand. <laughs> That's the confidence of a fan base where everything always turns out. They're like, oh, yeah, Tatar and Nyquist will re- just replace Datsuk and, and, and uh, Zetterberg. And- Jimmy Howard was in net. And yeah. He was, like, just carrying them to the playoffs. Justin Abdelkader, Danny DeKaiser, Darren Helm. Yeah, Danny De Kaiser was going to replace uh, Nick Lidstrom. That was the plan. Yeah. Right? They had all these well, guys. the Red Wing way. Yeah. And then they're like, this isn't going to work. These guys aren't really high-end draft picks. Then they went out and got a bunch, and now they're back. But I'll be very curious to see what kind of impact um, Patrick Kane has on this team. And I'll, I'll close it by saying I'm super skeptical. Just because I've seen this before. Yeah. I've seen guys come back from the surgery before, and it doesn't go well. And I've seen guys try and put... I, ho- I hope it works, though. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick Kane. Listen, I know the Canucks had some battles with Patrick Kane, but he is and always has been like an on the ice a treat to watch. Like, he is one of the best stick handlers I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. He's incredible, um, and you know, to for for the great players, like the first ballot Hall of Fame guy, to go out with an injury and just not look like yourself, mm-hmm. like you don't you don't really want to see that. I don't. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some no, bitter, no, no, no. bitter old Canucks no, no, no. fans do, but uh, or some people that take 
you know, issue with his personality or whatever. But I think Patrick Kane has grown up a lot mm-hmm. as an NHL player. Yeah. Um, other news from the NHL that we didn't get to real quick. I'll just bang through because we're right up against it for time for the break. Uh, in case you missed it, Klingberg done for the year in Toronto. We talked about the trade ramifications there. And if you go read Elliot's brand new 32 Thoughts, which is out now at sportsnet.ca, it, I mean, all Tree Living is dealing with now is Nylander talk. And how are you going to trade to improve your blue line? That's it. And he's getting bombarded. He was on He was on with Bourne and Kipper yesterday, and he made it very clear that they're doing everything they can to re-sign Nylander. And good on William Nylander for being like, I'm going to have the most amazing year of my career in a play in a contract year. Like good on I think his old man did the same thing with the Washington Capitals back in the day, had it like a, a break, a really great year going into a contract year. But so there's that. The other thing is that the Leafs are going to have to improve this blue line. Not only was it not good to begin with, but now it's been hit by injury. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about how few regulation wins they have, how many games that they've had to win in overtime in the shootout, yeah. if that's sustainable over 82 games, if you can continue to play this much hockey with this thin of blue line. So keep an eye on that. Uh, also, the Jacques Martin thing in Ottawa, which happened yesterday, and I was like, are we going to mention this or not? I'll mention it briefly. He's the winningest and I think most famous coach in Sens history. All due respect to, remember Paul McLean's mustache? <laughs> and the guy that sat behind him that looked yes. exactly like Paul McClain. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jacques Martin's back at age 71. And the only reason I bring this up is because this news came out shortly after Michael Andlauer, the new owner, at the Board of Governors meeting, openly acknowledged that the fans weren't happy with DJ Smith. Mm-hmm. And he's like, how do I you know, quell the fires, like put the flames out on this one? I know. I'm going to bring the most famous coach in franchise history back. But also a defensive mind. Right. That's the other part of this too, right? So keep an eye on uh, DJ King's... I I don't think DJ King is going to last the season. Or DJ Smith. Am I seeing DJ King? Yeah. Remember him? Yeah, I do remember DJ King. Yeah. He was Dwight King's brother. He played in the NHL for a while. Wow. Uh, Give us a moocow on all that. I've got one too. And just a reminder, get your What We Learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We are giving away Canucks tickets. This is the game against Tampa Bay next week. So I think, is it on Tuesday? I think it's on Tuesday. Tuesday, December 12th, 7 o'clock, Rogers so, Arena, so, Canucks and Bolts. So uh, get your What We Learns in. Use the ticket emoji if you want to be entered into the contest for Best What We Learn. Get those tickets. Uh, we'll pick the winner in about, I don't know, seven minutes. So get them in quick. Um, John Rom, according to the Wall Street Journal, it's done. He's going to live. Dang. He's so, going to live. So this is, <laughs> I, I'm sure it'll be for hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, but this is kind of like, like the live thing has not gone away. Yeah, what I thought right? live was dead. No, but no. live is live. When it's they, alive. When they, put, live. when they put that deal together, I think a lot of people were, first of all, confused about what the deal is and also wondering, like, is this going to go through? Right. Is is there going to, is the PGA Tour ultimately going to end up with the Saudis investing a bunch of money in their tour? So it's a, still, still a really confusing time in the world of professional golf. But the PGA Tour, and maybe losing a guy like John Rahm speeds up the process of getting something done. But this is one of the best players on tour, really one of the spokespersons for the PGA Tour. And now when you think about it, like 
Liv has a number of the top, like legit top golfers in the world, right? And Cam Cameron Smith and uh, Brooks Kepka and John Rom, like those are legit guys. They aren't the kind of like over the hill, like, yeah, we got Lee Westwood, he's pretty old now. We I got have- Ian Poulter, he's pretty old now. Like they've got and and it's going to start affecting if it hasn't already just the quality of fields that the PGA Tour can put together. I have a question though. Is this one going to as the kids say hit different because Rom was such a vocal defender of the PGA Tour? Possibly. Like this just yeah. just to me, mm-hmm. he wasn't he's not Rory. It's not like Rory joining Live, but he was pretty outspoken. But he came out and said like I've made my decision and I'm sticking with the PGA Tour. Well, right. Like that's what I'm saying. This and this and feels like, like a hit. and then he's like, eh, but money. Like he's like Kepka. <laughs> Kepka was like Kepka would play anywhere. I think as long as the money and the the, the ability to win. Well, I think Kepka was different because at the time that he made that decision, his game was not where it needed to be, and he was like, oh my god, like am I? You know, in golf, like sometimes you, we've seen guys they just lose it, right? Yeah. And and he was like, I have to, I have to do this now. Like I, or at least he felt it. He didn't have to. Yeah, but he felt it, right? John Rahm is. Still, like he's, it's not like his game has fallen off like it did for Kepka. So I think uh, Cam Smith going was a big deal, and I think John Rom going is an even bigger deal. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.